This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for August 18th, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on the Open the Voice Gate podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to your show, to the show, just click the link in the show notes. No obligation whatsoever. You could donate either one time or reoccurring, and it certainly would be appreciated. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm joined, as always, by Case Lowe. And Case, we are almost through August. We only have three more live shows left. And when DG came back and announced eight shows, I was like, all right, this is going to be a heavy month. But now I'm like looking at the at the barrel of a double shot in Fukuoka, and we still don't know what the second Sambo Hall show is. And now I'm like finally like truly getting like, this is a big this was a big month on their schedule and it's only going to get even more busy from here. Yeah. I felt like I was forgetting to do something for these past few days because there wasn't a show outside of the Samba hall show, which happened this weekend. But I, I felt like because last week was cork and it happened middle of the week. And then we recorded the day later, we were, you know, recording this on, on Tuesday, the 18th. And I felt like I had been forgetting to do something these past few days because I watched Sambo Hall, you know, the morning I woke up on the 15th, and then I didn't have anything else to watch. And that's a good problem to have right now, given the state of this promotion, how good they've been recently. And, you know, like Mike said, we've got a double shot in Fukuoka coming up this weekend, a second Sambo Hall show on August 30th. And then we go on to September, which is another loaded month with with big shows. And then, you know, we'll, we'll continue from there. But the, the back half of 2020 for Dragon Gate, uh, beginning on July 4th when they invited fans back to the arena, so far, it has been such a smashing success, which I, I'm just so glad because I see other promotions in Japan and, and multiple promotions at that just not doing what they need to do, not really delivering to their core audience in in any way. It seems like there's a lot of frustration with the booking, and Drangate does not have that problem yet, knock on wood. Very excited to see what comes of these shows. Yeah, it's been an incredibly exciting time of the promotion. I've noticed over the last month and a half that we've had as much of an influx of Western fans following the promotion as I've seen in at least the last few years. I mean, not nearly to a level of how things were in the late twenty, late 2000s and not to the level of how things were 
I would say up to a few years ago, but it seems like more people are getting into it. And this is such an interesting time in Dragon Gate as they've, in a lot of ways, compacted an entire year's worth of shows within five months. And we still have four more months after this. And on this week's show, we're going to talk about the Kobe Samba Hall show that Case was talking about. We will preview the double shot and across Fukuoka that will happen on the 23rd. We have one. There's one other show that they have before uh, Kobe Samba Hall. We still don't have a card for the end of the month, but I expect we will have that for next week's show. We'll talk a, a little bit about September, and we finally have a date case. November 15th will be the Kobe Pro Wrestling Festival makeup date. This was, of course, supposed to be Kobe World in July. It has been moved to November 15th. So, Case, leading off, you know for as many years as we've been doing the show together, and as much as you've heard me complain and moan and just, like, pull out my hair when I'm already in in a part of my life where I should not be pulling out my own hair. But Case, August 15th in Hyogo, Kobe Sambo Hall, Gate Adventure 2020, might be my favorite show they've had since their return. Case, what were your thoughts of the show overall? I didn't like it as much as you. You had messaged me over the weekend, and you were really, really high on this show. I liked it. I liked it a lot. There's a lot of stuff to be excited about, Coming out of this show, I don't, I gotta think about that now. Is it my favorite show since they've returned? I don't, I don't think so, but uh, you have certainly talked me into a position where I, I am admittedly a little ill-prepared for. Um, I, no, I, you know what? I liked, I liked the Kyoto show from August 8th more than this. I really enjoyed that show top to bottom. You know, it's, Taking Memorial Gate out of the equation, because I feel like that'd be almost unfair to like, compare like a big show to this. That was like now looking at my, at my notes for it, very similar kind of construction there. Where really, like if you take out that match zero on Kyoto, we had the entire show that I had at three stars or better. I had five out of the six matches here at three at f- three stars or better, including three matches that I had notebook. But I know that some of them like were borderline three and three quarters to four stars. So your personal taste may adjust it, but we did come out of the show with like one match that I, I knew that I was, this was going to be the match I was going to be talking about for a long time, but that was an insane match that we had on the show and a very important match. So I'm just going to think we should start talk, talking about this from the opener on, unless there's anything you want to hit on really big first. No, let's do it. All right. So the opener was Tori Mon versus Dragon Gate six man tag team match. It was the kind of what we've been seeing a lot on these shows where it's been, You've had somewhat of like what could be like a Triangle Gate Challenge team coming in there, but yet again, uh, Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate Generation has been able to take care of the old guys. As the Torimon side was Masato Yoshino, Dragon Kid, and Ryo Saito, and they faced off against the uh, Triangle Gate Champion uh, Strong Machine J, the uh, the Twin Gate Champion Jason Lee, and then the Beltless Keisuke Okuda. But it was Keisuke Okuda who got the win in this match with the lights out kick in 13 minutes and 13 seconds on. Rio Saito, and this was like one of the one of the mat- first matches I think I've watched since coming back. That like I know it's like oh, you, this really is going to be the end soon for Masao Yoshino because he was moving a little gingerly to start off this match. You know he wasn't moving around great, but he is also the person I enjoyed most in this match because I think he and Strong Machine J have a really nice chemistry with one another. They they are such opposites and. Strong Machine J on his best day will never be able to move around the ring 
in a similar fashion to Yoshino. Forget the speed that Yoshino brings to the table, just the elusiveness and the quickness and the precision that Yoshino is as a wrestler. Strong Machine J is not that. But I think when they come together, they just create an interesting blend of guys where it's it's like you're watching wrestlers from separate promotions meeting in the middle and wrestling in Dragon Gate because they, they have such different styles and ways of approach that I actually really enjoy seeing those two work with one another. So... Yeah, I mean, Yoshino, I, I have my theory that I'll say later on the show as to what Yoshino's future will be. It's very clear, uh, you know, he is winding down his career and he's working these openers and he seems to be happy doing that. And I got to say, if he's going to be wrestling like this, I don't mind it. Yeah, no, it's just was something that I noticed that, and maybe it is also watching peak Yoshino matches, which isn't fair to the guy, but it is something that's very obvious that he is on the uh, the last days of his career, of his 20-year career. And you talked about Yoshino and Strong Machine J. I think the thing that they really work is that, and something interesting in Strong Machine J, I have not felt like in a long time that we've seen someone as complete of a of like a project, as like a conception as a wrestler, and here he is, from like his debut to now a Strong Machine J. Like I fully expect that this is the Strong Machine J we'll be seeing for the next however long he's in Dragon Gate or in his career as Strong Machine J. And that's fine. It's just one of those things that you watch and he, cause he is like distinctly feels so much different than everyone else. And it's such like conceptualized thing that from like his debut on, he was strong machine J and it definitely feels like this. Uh, something that also really enjoyed in this match also was that we had like this really cool Okuda and uh, Yoshino series that went on during this match. And it was something that, I mean, it very quickly became to be that this match was about getting Okuda a strong win and, you had this like great finish struggle where yeah, Ryo Saito goes for the double cross, a move that I don't think I've seen Ryo Saito hit in like current Dragon Gate in over a year, maybe. Maybe two years I've seen him hit the double cross, but he moved that like right into he worked his way out of that and hit the lights out in a match that, you know, for like these openers, I'm having a great time with it. Three and a quarter stars. I'm at the same rating there. I thought it was a very, very effective way to start the show. And then we had uh a really like bizarre match. Like when we were previewing this match, I was like, Casey and Gamma are on the same team. That's going to be something. And that was something as Casey and Gamma went up against the RED team of Kazuma Sakamoto and Diamante. Kazuma Sakamoto won with the Shin Toura Agata, which I don't even remember what that move was. I'll, I'll apologize there on a Gamma in 11 minutes and 15 seconds. And this basically was like 10 minutes where like Casey and Gamma just decided to befuddle the RED team. Mike, you made a lot of buzz, okay? You went you went viral in some circles at the start of the year with your proper gamma of gamma being the wrestler of the year in 2020. And obviously, you know, COVID has taken its toll on all of us. And for you, I think the biggest change in your life is the fact that it wiped out gamma string of great matches and any possibility of him being wrestler of the year, um, ironic wrestler of the year, standout performer in Dragon Gate. Those hopes were all flushed away with this match, which I, I was just not feeling this. I thought it was clunky. I thought it was awkward. And I thought it was mostly Gamma's fault that this match was not very good. 
case I waited to do this as we were on air, I am turning to the whiteboard and I'm erasing Gamma 2020 Wrestler of the Year. This is huge. And this is this is the kind of stuff that if you donate to the show through our Red Circle page, we will obviously fund a camera operation and you could see Mike adding and erasing from the whiteboard. But until, you know, you you know, you until you pay up, you just have to listen to us. And who who wants to do that when you could watch Mike Spears write on a whiteboard? I mean, it's it's a very nice whiteboard. I know you've seen photos of it. It has a lot of notes on it, a lot of important things. But Gamma no longer is my 2020 rest of the year. This was just like, yeah, it was. It was. Well, match. it felt like a Sambo Hall match, which most of the right. show did not. We were so excited about this card because it was so exciting, which is just not over the past five years. That is not exactly what Sambo Hall has brought to the table. Not a lot of excitement coming out of this building. This match, I was like, yep, we are in Sambo Hall for this one. This is normal. This is, in a way, this is the returning to normal that we've all been yearning for with a very mediocre match in Sambo Hall. Yeah, two and three quarters. If you want to watch like a match where like Kazma and Diamante are like, what are we doing here? That's what this match is. This match is a lo- is 11 minutes of just befuddling Diamante. Like, Di- like, Diamante was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, Diamante has, like, really stepped up his game over the last, like, six months. But, ye- I mean, Gamma's Gamma, you know. Love the guy to death. You know, definitely is my favorite indie th- third-rate local wrestler. But he's no longer my 2020 wrestler of the year. However, we did have a match that... When we announced this match on the Twitter account, Case, what was the most common retweet or most common like comment and tweet at us about this match? People were legitimately concerned for the health and safety of UT, and rightfully so. And rightfully so, as it was UT going up against Misaki Mochizuki. This match went 12 minutes and 41 seconds. Misaki Mochizuki won at the Senseikyo high kick, and a match I went four stars because I, I said this before. Misaki Mochizuki is a sneaky great grappler. And they had like about like the first like stretch of this match was a lot of countering each other's holds. Uh, UT knowing that you must kill the legs if you want Misaki Mochizuki to die. And then Misaki Mochizuki power throwing it and just really like tearing apart UT's leg. And no one sells a leg like UT sells a leg. And I love this match. I want four stars on it. So I'm with three and a half. I love the story. I liked the work. But I just don't know what to do in the long term about this match. It went 12 minutes, 41 seconds. Had it gone six minutes and Mochizuki just killed him, there's at least a redemption story for UT to be told. Had UT won this match, it would have been, you know, signifying that his injuries are in the past and, you know, he is more than capable of challenging for the Brave Gate title or the Triangle Gate belts or whatever it is you want to do with him. It went 12 minutes in defeat, and yes, he got his ass kicked and then fought back, so he looked good in the process, but I just don't know what UT does from here. Maybe it's just he gets his ass kicked, and that's and that's his story, and I'd be okay with that, but given the way he's been positioned since returning, where he, you know, stares down Shuji Kondo at Cork and Hall, and then has this, you know high-profile singles match. I mean, it's a singles match against Mochizuki. It's a big deal. I, I just, I don't I don't know what to do with him now. Do you have any inclination for where UT is going from here? I mean, like, that's going to be the uh, hard thing about UT. And that's always been the thing about UT is he's someone that it's really hard. 
to like think about this he's only 26 years old and he's lost so much of his what could be a very long career because of various injuries he's just now really seeming like coming back from his uh show uh from his collarbone injury that required surgery and you look at who all is around you look at people of his generation you look at the people like of generations after him like he came in so young and so early that it's wild to think this but he technically is ben k senior in the promotion by a good few years but ben k is almost 30 and ben k is a former dreamgate champion at this point so you also like look at like how these you how like the generational war is and who they're focusing on and who are they're not and maybe he makes a brave gate challenge maybe the obvious is true and it turns out that uh keske akuda is the green mass demon and he turns and he could be like the person trying to take the belt from ashida but other than that like other than like being a delight and someone that whenever i watch i like yeah no what if we ever have 12 months straight of ut being healthy he is the best technical wrestler in the world i don't know what to do with him other than that and it's something that maybe 2021 is something that like they want to make sure that he's good you know he gets through 2020 gets through the the three uh, unit war but in 2021 we can see what goes for him because it's kind of hard to pick out like the short term and and i think you're absolutely right about that here's the thing he is not on these fukuoka shows that we are talking about later on in this show he is nowhere to be found on these cards i think what he is and granted He's not booked for every show. My understanding is because he gets hurt so often, they try to protect him uh, at least a little bit. But, I mean, you look at his own unit. Yamato, Casey, Binke, Strong Machine J, who's a current champion, Dragon Daya, who's a current champion, Kai, who's in a in a hot program. Not a hot program. He's in a program. I don't know if it's a hot program. He's in a program, though. Jason Lee, uh, Kaisuke Akuda, Yuki Yoshioka, who's on excursion. UT, for as talented as he is, because he's unreliable, and if I was booking the promotion, I would unfortunately position him in the same spot. He's on that tier of Yosuke Santa Maria and Punch Tamanaga. Now, he's no Problem Dragon or OG Shiba, okay? He's not the bottom rung. But I just, I think we saw UT's window, and I don't think we're going to get that 2019 run ever again. And if it's something that, if there is to be, like, another window, they're going to wait. And I think that's very clear of how they treated him in the past. It was about 15 months of him coming back, joining Tribe, and being a lost post before they're like, okay, early 2019, we're going to start pushing him. Yeah, because, well, they had that streak where it was Kagatora, Maria, and UT as a trio. And we were on the show going, man, this team was really fun like and that was when I was coming around on UT because from his debut I mean he essentially uh the millennials launched essentially around the same time that I started watching Dragon Gate full-time so I've been with UT his entire career and just never got it was it's just I was like Ugh, this guy with the red mohawk and he's hurt and he's getting killed like I don't I I'm I'm good and then he came back in that Tri-Vanguard trio and was really fun. And that's when we started hearing about, oh, he grew up watching Toriyaman. He loves the promotion. He's he's working on his Yave offense. And I was like, all right, I am in on this guy. But you're right. It was an extended period of time before he was even really taken seriously. I think the rookie ranking tournament did a lot of favors for him. And I think, you know, five or six years from now, we'll look back on that rookie ranking tournament as 
the foundation of the future of this company and whether or not UT will ever be a top-rung guy or even his ceiling is, you know, a brave gate guy, whether that is ever realized or not, I, I do not know. But as time goes on, I think it's less and less likely that he ever meets what I would call his true potential. And it's something that, with how jam-packed uh, the Kobe Dojo is, with how they've been turning out kids, and we'll talk about the current class just in a little bit, but it's really like perform now or you'll get passed by. And UT has given, and it's no fault of his own. Like, I don't fault anyone for, like, having, like, the lumps and, like, being injured. Like, you can't, unless there's someone doing something very obvious. But UT's not doing stuff obvious to get hurt. He's just someone that picked up a lot of injuries starting when he was, like, 18, you know? So, like, or, no, eight years ago. Yes, you have been 18. Okay. It's something, though. Actually, no, six years ago. My, my time frame's wrong, but anyways. I follow. It's something, though, with, like, UT that it took him so much time there, and then if you give him, like, that time again, we're talking about a time period in, like, 2021 or 2022 where, you know, Kento Kabune, uh, Sora Fujikawa, Takedo Kamayan, and Matoka Kakuta would have already passed this guy by again. And who knows? Like, it's something where I hope for the best for him. I sincerely do. And I would love to see like the, the push start again, but there is no indication either with like the immediate schedule, as you mentioned, them not, not having him wrestle twice in a day, taking him off the Fukuoka show, or with how he's slotted right now that that will come again. And I really hope that I'm wrong. I really do. Because there's, but there was nothing in Dragon Gate that I enjoyed more in his time than like UT versus Asuma Yokosuka at Dare Alive 2019. And it will be a shame if that ends up being like his big career high point, but I fear more and more that that could be the point. And I really hope that we're proved wrong, but I'm with you on that. Which if it is, it's one hell of a career because most guys don't reach that point. Most guys are not that good for a, a, a short period of time like that. So if that's what it is, I can't call it a, a, a career failure, but I no. do think he's capable of more if he ever can stay healthy enough and prove that he is worthy of pushing. Because right now, again, if I was booking the company, I wouldn't have that faith in him. And it's not some, you know, Vince McMahon, you know, guy gets dinged up on a house show, therefore he's unreliable. It's a pattern of injuries with UT that is just, it's inescapable and it's unfortunate because he's really, really good. And he showed that he can hang with Shuchi Kondo in Cork and Hall just a few nights before this. And he showed he can hang with Mochizuki here. This was a very, very good match. Mike put spreadsheet on it. But I think this is what UT's career is, and I hope he proves me wrong. I would love to see him flourish again, but I, I don't think it's happening. And, and, like, the one thing I could say is, from all from all indications, he's a lifer. Like, this isn't going to be something where he eventually, like, decides, like, this is it. I could see UT as a guy who's going to be around, and it might end up being, like, Kinesi's around in some capacities or not. I think that he's someone that, you know, this was his... Love and life was Torimon wrestling, and he stuck with it, and there's nothing making me think that he's not going to stick with it. And I could totally see UT being someone in, like, a decade heading up training in Kobe and, like, being like, all right, guys, I'm the technical guy, a lot of the same ways that Super Shiso was for so long. Well, that, that, that's, that's a- exactly what it is. I mean, he could end up being Super Shiso where he pops up in Okinawa and then a show in Tokyo here and there, and there's nothing wrong with that because Super Shiso is still 
other than Zack Sabre Jr., the best technical wrestler in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can see UT, whenever they're in Nagoya, he will always have a place. It's just wondering if it's going to be a consistent place. And I think that's kind of where we both struggle with. Uh, one match that I did not struggle with because of one person in it that just frustrated the living daylights out of me was uh, was Dragon Gate versus R.E.D. tag match. Yamato and Kai representing Dragon Gate versus B.B. Hulk and Takashi Yoshida. Kai won with the authorized Ganesuke clutch in 13 minutes and 52 <laughs> seconds where I, I've had it with Takashi Yoshida. The, the crowd... Was not take was laughing at Yoshida a lot during that. Was I the only person who noticed that the crowd was like Yoshida's hysterics or just taking me out of the match? Because it did for me here. I'm so distracted by the uncomfortable clinking of his chain in these reduced capacity shows, where the chain is just like, oh my god, that is being picked up by every ring microphone right now. That I didn't notice the crowd being disinterested, Mike. I certainly believe your story. That sounds accurate. Oh, I oh, the just... crowd wasn't disinterested. The crowd was laughing at him during the match. You could hear them laugh like through their masks at it's... him being like doing the shut up, palm like throat thrust, dumb shit. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm no, done no, no. with Takashi Yoshida. I want him gone. <laughs> well, the uh, the unfortunate thing is that I like this Yamato and Kai tag team, and if you've listened to yeah. the show, you know it took me a long time to come around on not only Kai and Dragon Gate, but the Yamato-Kai tag team in particular. I don't like them against R.E.D., and I wish we were getting Yamato and Kai against, you know, KZ and UT or Strong Machine J and Dragon Daya. I wish they would, or I guess those are guys in their in their unit, so maybe the Toriyaman guys, whoever it is. Um... I don't, thank you. I don't love their chemistry with Hulk, Eita, or Yoshida in any sort of tag team combination. And that is what we have a lot of going forward, and that is what we'll have through Dangerous Gate in September. So uh, we've kind of got to deal with that now, which because I, I didn't, this match did nothing for me. Yeah, I went three flat just because I felt like that Kai and Yamato is such a fun team. And I was like, okay. And like Hulk, Hulk's Hulk. You know, like we've talked about. Uh, of who uh, who BB Hulk is in 2020, and that's that's what it is. But it's just like Yoshida's now is to a point where he is like an active like detractment to matches. To like the crowd's not able to get. They're like, oh, l- let's laugh at this guy, and it's something that we just talked about as a UT. Takashi Yoshida is someone that like y- you know he's been around for so long, and he's kind of a figure. But if he wants to go work in all Japan from more permanently from now on, by all means. I hope that he has a fulfilling career. I'm just tired of having to do this. So like, like this was like something that like I actually paused me watching this and like and like went made myself a cup of tea because I needed to calm down because how frustrated I was. And it's just like he's there, and it's to a point where like we're where like we're gonna see like guys getting moved up the card and and needing to be put in bigger and bigger roles. And if he's doing this in opening matches, that's fine. But when it's interfering with what the big buildup is for dangerous gate in the cage match then i have huge issues and that was my problem with yoshida in this match sorry i'm very tired of him <laughs> no it's i got it's completely fair i mean we've talked about it and what you know I, I'll, I'll shut up so we can get to this next match but there is going to be a point in time where either dragon gate will literally have to start running a second brand or you're gonna see some of these bottom rung guys like yoshida who was noticeably absent on shows last weekend I think he's going to start appearing less and less. Yeah, and some something that was brought up with me that I thought was real interesting about the split, just for like one second. I would not. I would love this to happen. I don't expect it to happen. But if they wanted to start running necks now 
and like Shinkiba First Ring or like Osaka Congress Hall, like where like other promotions like do their do like their smaller shows and their bigger shows are in ED on two. I think that'd be a great idea if they're going to do a split like that so that these kids can get ring time. Just wanted to throw that out there. But I, I forgot who was the person I was talking to this. I apologize. But if a split's going to happen, that's what I want to see. Yeah, I think that'd be great. All right. So speaking of people getting ring time, speaking of a match that we talked about last week as being one of those matches that we were going to constantly refer back to in these four guys' career, we have the challenge eight-man tag team match. The veterans, the legends, between them, every every single one of them except for Suji Kondo is a former Dreamgate champion. Five, we have five former Dreamgate championship reigns on the on the uh, veteran side as Naruki Doi, Don Fuji, Shuji Kondo, Zasuma Yokosuka teamed up to face Kento Kabune, Takedo Kamai, Sora Fujikawa, and Madoka Kakuta. It was uh, Shuji Kondo submitting Fujikawa in 15 minutes and 33 seconds. And what I will say that after the Dreamgate match at Memorial Gate, this is your second must-see match of this current iteration of the promotion mike i i, I mean I, I don't know how you want to tackle this i've got so much to say on the match itself the four rookies i, I you know i slow clapped as you introduced the match because i you know four days after the fact i'm still just so delighted that this match occurred i rewatched it before we recorded today and was just it's just what i love in wrestling i mean it's i i wish new japan and all Japan, if they ever had the right amount of students, and you know, God forbid, Noah, if they could ever produce the right amount of guys from the dojo. Although I think they're they're closer now than they've been in a long time to run matches like this, because it is a true sink or swim environment. And just like on twelve one sixteen, when five legends went against five rookies, including Ben K, Shun Skywalker, and Yuki Yoshioka, which I rewatched that match today too. Uh, oh my god, it is more violent than I remembered. Um, this is such an awesome match. I mean, it's, it's must-see if you have never watched this promotion, if you do not know who they are, if you watch this match, within seconds, you will understand the story being told. I mean, this is a match that was... One of the reasons I'm willing to guess that they made sure to repost their what they're doing with uh, limited audiences to make sure, hey guys, we don't really want you to do crowd calls. We don't want you to to like verbally emote during matches because the the Kobe Sembo Hall crowd, like the crowd was down a little bit, but I mean they've been running so much that I'm and we're in COVID times. I'm okay with that. But this crowd was so behind these four young kids, and especially Sora Fujikawa. Apparently. Uh, the fan base think he's quite a looker. Like, he's the dreamboat of this class. So, it's just something like watching this match. Like, this is a match that, if I were to make my matches of 2020 and things, you have to have this match. You can't tell the story of 2020, especially not the story of 2020 and Dragon Gate without talking about this rookie class. And last week, we said if they got through this match, okay, you're set. They'd not just make get through this match. They all passed this match of flying colors. I mean, just like before we want to get to individual, um, individual performances here, not only did they get through the initiation, but they worked so well with these guys who combined almost every single one of them, with the exception, I believe, of Fujikawa's career is older than the wrestler themselves. That's wow. Wild. Yeah, okay, wow. Yeah, I get what you're saying now. Um, wow, yeah, that is that is quite the statistic. I mean, it's... 
it's a testament to the Drangate Dojo, which, you know, since they opened their doors in 2004 and unleashed Shingo Takagi onto the world, there's not been a better dojo in wrestling. There just hasn't. Um, I, I, I want to go through these rookies one by one, but I, you, yeah. you can pick who we start with, but I, I want to really dissect these guys here. Well, I feel like the first person that we should talk about, it, mentioned them earlier, he seems to be the dreamboat, and he's the person that, that's in the fall, so I feel like that it's worth, that that deserves enough to talk about first. Let's talk about Sora Fujikawa, the guy who has been put through the ringer, and I take that back, he actually, okay, Fujikawa is 25 years old, he turns 25 in November, and Let's start off with him because that was – he's someone that over like the last month and since returning, I would still think that Kento Kabune is the one that we have the ceiling for, but he's been the uh, the top performer of the class so far in the uh, in the post-quarantine uh, uh, era of Dragon Gate. So let's start off with Sora. Mike, I could be wrong. It's not going to bother me if I'm wrong because it's an, out- it's an outlandish prediction, but – Sora Fujikawa was the star of this match, appears to already have a dedicated fan base in Japan, and I went pretty deep into Japanese social media this week on both Twitter and Instagram. Okay. And All right, let's get into it. Mike, this man has stands, okay? People are standing Sora Fujikawa. There are Instagram accounts dedicated to him going back to when he was a ringside attendant, when he was just lifting the ropes for these guys. There is an account that I saw, and God, I wish I would have written down the name of it, that have essentially tracked Sora Fujikawa's movements ever since. Okay, he is a known commodity for being, as you said, quite the looker. Mike, I he's think the dreamboat. he's the dreamboat. I think he is also the man under the green mask. I think when when we find out who that is, whenever R.E.D. unveils their new member, I think it's Sora Fujikawa. Okay, because I know that there are a lot of people who are thinking that it could have been KZ. I know that at least indications and in seeing that the relationship and the storyline have been going on, uh, Keisuke Akuda is that. I think that's interesting. So if he's underneath the red mask, that means he's the first one that's going to be pushed and this, because he'd be the first one taken out of the unaffiliated squad, correct? Yes, and not to get ahead, but I think he would be the first pushed because he's ready. You know, like, that's the thing I really noticed was that a lot of these rookie matches so far, when they've had, like, one-on-one matches, like, they've been, like, eight minutes, or like, seven minutes, but they've been giving for- Fujikawa a lot of time, and we'll get into, like, the untelevised match happening this weekend as well. He took a beam from Masaki Mochizuki and took a th- kick to the throat. He took and a kick to the throat. Accidental it is, one. We'll- it is on Mochizuki's Instagram if you have not seen it. It is what it sounds like. It is a man getting kicked in the throat. It does seem like that they're giving him this weekend. Oh, no, he has to face Yamato and Kagoshima this weekend. Never mind. I thought they were going to give him like the week off saying, hey, your throat's okay. We want to make sure you're okay. No, no. Yeah, I think, I mean... For how interesting it's been, I really want it to be Keisuke Okuda because I feel like that's the interesting like turn towards the angle. Then maybe down the line you have an Ishida Okuda tag team, and I think that would be a lot of fun. Those two as a tag team being like just a bunch of just shit kickers. But Sora Fujikawa, you put him in there. Then I mean it's a countdown to the big face turn because that guy can bring in money. The ladies love him, and how can't you? He's he's the hunk of the class. Well, as we'll talk about on the upcoming episode of the Drangate USA Rewind and Rewatch series uh, for what is the show known 
as Uprising 2011, we do a deep dive into the... Not it's basically everything leading up to the formation of Junction Three and then the continued reign of terror of Blood Warriors. And Blood Warriors turned uh, the man that is now known as T Hawk from a young boy into a man possessed with warrior paint named Tomahawk TT during the Blood Warriors feud. Now, now he had been wrestling at that point for about fifteen months and you know needed to to do something. And they didn't exactly right. give him the rocket pack. I mean, he was kind of the fall post in Blood Warriors, but he was at least given... In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club. Com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network a gimmick and a purpose and i think fujikawa holds a very similar fate had i not gone back and looked at the formation of blood words at this time period I would have said, uh, no, no way. It's not It's not going to be a young boy. But now that there's a bit of a precedent there of, hey, you know, they've done this before. They can do it again. 
I think it's very possible. And like I said, I was going in and, and trying to translate as many tweets as I could over the weekend to figure out what the native fan base is thinking about all of this. And Akuda is not mentioned as a guy under the mask. I think people want to think, I think Drangate is doing the story where they want us to think it's Akuda. Nobody is really buying it as Kaisuke Akuda. The names that I see mentioned are KZ or one of the young boys, and in particular, Sora Fujikawa, who was, you know, eliciting vocal reactions from a crowd that was supposed to be muted. Drangate had to repost their fan conduct guidelines after this match because people were screaming for Fujikawa to escape the clutches of Don Fuji and Shuji Kondo. Sora Fujikawa comes out of this weekend as the biggest winner of them all. I, like you, I think Kenta Kabune has the highest potential of the group, but I think if you, you know, had to put someone out there tomorrow and push them to some extent, I think Sora Fujikawa is the guy you do that with. So something that just came to my head, and if it's something that we want to take more time on a future episode and do, I think we should start doing like a, do our current rookie ranking league right now. And I think that coming out of this weekend, Sora Fujikawa is number one in the bullet. You know, I mean, he's the one that, like, we, we do see the the path for Kabune. We see how Kamai is already a complete package. We see the X Factor that is Madoka Kakuta. But Sir Fujikawa, like, his future can be very clear very quickly. And I think he would be the number one rookie at this point. I, I would wholeheartedly agree. And I, I think Kabune is a close second behind him if we want to transition yeah, to, let's talk about Kabune. to the man who begins this match by drop-kicking Naruki Doi and then follows up with a beautiful judo throw. And then from there, it's on. He At one point, I'll just to, to throw in another move he did. Uh, Susumu Yokosuka goes to Jumbo Nokachi, this man, and Kabune does a step-up cross-arm breaker and uh, forces y- uh, uh, Yokosuka to reach the ropes, which was just another one of those, like, oh my god, this guy, you know, yes, he debuted in December, but with the pandemic and everything, he's really only been wrestling like five or six months, and he's doing a step-up cross-arm breaker on Susumu Yokosuka. Are you kidding me? He used him as a jungle bit, Jim. Like, literally, <laughs> he, he he grabbed his arm and was like, oh, I'm going to climb now, Susumu Yokosuka. Time for a flying arm bar. Let's go. And then the, it was just something that, like, he came out in the beginning of this, and he was clearly the one that was kind of positioned towards the top out of him and Kamai. I feel like that's a fair assessment of this. And then he's been the person that they already were providing the push to. He's on the second colorway of his T-shirt. I'm personally holding out for, like, a Miami colorway of the Kento Kabune T-shirt. That'll be one I get if they get, like, nice, like, neon pink and neon blue. Like, that's the Kento Kabuna t-shirt I would get. But he seems like that he's someone that, like, he had this interaction with Susumi Yokosuka. He already has, like, a sense of an offense that's very exciting. And it's something where, like, we talked about before. The only thing that's going to hurt Kento Kabuna is if they can't get the fans to think that someone who's, like, 5'5 five five could be a Dreamgate champion. Yes, I I don't think he will have an issue overcoming that. We will talk about the height of the young boys later on as we go along. But Kabune, look, he's the guy I'm backing. He's ultimately my candidate for 2020 class of guys to succeed later on. I think this is Fujikawa's moment. I think the long game is Kento Kabune. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, he's someone that he was... T- paired up with like the two icons in that opening tag match and i think that he would have to be number two uh my number three is kamai uh who is your number three my number three is madoka kikuta who okay i was just really i there here here's the thing we have seen enough of kamai now 
to know what Kamai is and who he is going to be. I have no clue what the future holds for Madoka Kakuta because he has a weird style that, you know, his background is just different. He's built super weird, and the Dragon Gate website claims he's 173 centimeters tall, which, if I Googled, Googled this correctly, I believe comes out to about 5'6", or uh, thereabouts, which... Oh, he has to be taller than that. That's the thing. I, he towered... So, Shuji Kondo was listed at 173 centimeters as well. He towered over Shuji Kondo. This dude is really, really big, and could end up being, like, the tall guy in the promotion, and if he puts on muscle to go along with that... I am going to be so intrigued by what the future holds for Madoka Kakuta because I really like him. I just think he's so different. And just, that that's what he is. He's just so different. But he clearly has this Power Junior thing to him where he was standing in there trading chops with Shuji Kondo, trading chops with Don Fuji, and maybe not coming out on the better end of it, but coming out looking strong. And I really like that for a young boy to be able to show that much potential when Fuji is throwing chops at you and when Kondo is clubbing you, for him to stay in there and take that says something. I like Madoka Kakuta a lot, but he is the wild card of this bunch. I really have no idea. I, I can't predict... You know, floor, ceiling, potential, possible titles. I'm just fascinated by him because I really don't think we've seen enough to for sure make a decision or at least to speculate one way or another. Yeah, that, that's why I have him at four personally, because he's an X-Factor. Like, he's someone who came in as a Capoeira player background, which, to my knowledge, he might be, like, the first person <laughs> that has come from, like, that distinctive background. Like, you see it in MMA a lot, but not necessarily in wrestling. Other than Tedarius uh, Thomas of Ring of Honor fame, he is the oh, only Tedarius he's Thomas the only other person well, I can right. think of. Yeah, but uh, Madoka Kakuta has a much higher upside than TD Thomas, who, by the way, I liked. But Madoka Kakuta could be much better. Yes, uh, it's just something where he has something that like I don't know what's going to be, and just because of that, like we know who we we have a good sense of Kamai at this point. Like at this point, we get who he is, but I. Like, my mind goes racing and imagining, like, what happens if he remains lanky and just becomes, like, this crazy Capoeira player? <laughs> That's so interesting. Like, just like, this guy who is listed at 5'6", he's probably about 5'9", or 5'10", to be honest. Like, I've, I, the, the big thing is, let me see him next to, like, whenever he comes back, Shun Skywalker. That will let us know how tall he is. Because what is Shun Skywalker's height right now, Case? Uh, Skywalker clocks in, according to the Gate website, he clocks in at 180 centimeters, so he is he is a tall boy. Yeah, so 180 centimeters. If he's, like, taller than him, then we know he's at least that, because I think 180 centimeters would put him at, I'm just doing math in my head, and again, Texas educational system, puts him at, like, 5'8 and a half. It puts him at 5'9. 5'8 and a half. Hey, Look, it, it, we're recording this at 11 o'clock at night, and I was able to be somewhat close to that. Come on, folks. No Mike Spears but, left behind. Props to the Texas educational system. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't even like an, a jewel in anyone's mind when I was in school. <laughs> yeah, that, was your, that was my era, because I remember walking in to my kindergarten orientation and seeing a ginormous banner that read, No Child Left Behind. Obviously, at five years old, not knowing what that meant, but at five years old going, hmm, I don't know. 
then like there's apparently like and this this tells you about where i'm in my personal life apparently there's this thing called new math i have no clue about it so that, no that sounds right growing up i was i was in um oh god what was it called um i think my math books were something called everyday math which okay yeah i'm looking at the textbook now i so i was in everyday math which i guess was like a like not all alternative and like well i guess difficulty in the sense that it was much harder um i went to school all of my like elementary school friends are aspiring to be doctors lawyers or scientists or engineers and i was the kid that was like oh books are pretty cool um but everyday math i guess was different than what everybody else in the state was doing and i i was in the only school district that did this where like I didn't learn long division until I was in fifth grade because they did division differently and it screwed me up. I could never learn how to divide correctly for the longest time. Um, so yeah, don't textbooks have completely changed. And I grew up in an era where I was learning like digital technology, computers and whatnot, seemingly at the same time that all of my teachers were. And now I oh, look wow. at yeah. like the generation below me that grew up with just, they just grew up with this technology. Like I remember smartphones coming out and tablets coming out and finessing my way through those. Whereas now a kid can pick up an iPad and it's like, it's built into them that they know what to do. The generation below me uh, scares me and inspires me at the same time, because I think they're working on a completely different, just um, technological mindset that is it could ultimately greatly impact us hopefully for good possibly for bad we'll see jury's still out but like my generation will be fine the generation below me there could be movement there that could help us one day i don't know how we got started on this texas educational system Yes, that's it. Go ahead. But but but, but the thing about kakuda is we don't know who he is we, <laughs> we, we don't, don't know, know how tall he is, is. we don't know who he is yeah, we don't know. Tali doesn't know who he is, and that's interesting. But that makes me put him as four, and that's why it's—he's made a good presence of himself. I want to see more before I could even begin to, to like project him out. Like it's impossible at this point. But someone that we can project out, and someone that he's been getting as much ring time as uh, Sora Fujikawa, who they've had on nearly every single show, which also could be an indication of he might be the Green Demon Mask, is Takedo Kamai, and Kamai is someone that just. He takes a beating like hell, and he has such a command over his his ring set. Like, we're probably looking at the Kagator for the next generation. But if it, but if your ceiling is Kagator, that's a nice ceiling to have, and that is something that like I personally hope that he does a little better because he kind of was my guy, and he still is my guy. But you know, it was fun seeing him get kind of thrown around a lot and get and just take a hell of a beating from. I mean, Suji Kondo probably weighs twice as the weight of Takedo Kamai being conservatively about it yeah Kamai got stretched here by pretty much everybody involved he like you said he takes a beating he takes it well that's his future and I hope he likes it because that is what is his career is going to entail and he's so good at that that you know he's got a job Uh, and I, I hope he continues to get beat up because he's very very good at it I like where his selling and his bumping are at this stage in his career and he's someone that will be interesting just to see when they eventually decide to do something with him what that is going to look like because I I do think he has from his look from his in-ring style and obviously from his build he has this natural underdog vibe to him that at the right time in the right moment with the right opponent 
could be something special to watch. Yeah, he he's someone that I like want to like bring him an ice cream cone and say you you did well today, champ. It wasn't your day. Like he has like a very likable manner to him. Maybe that makes him more like a KZ. And if it's a KZ ceiling for this guy, that's tremendous. Like that's someone that like if it's KZ for the next era, that's a top level guy. And I think that could be possible as well with him. We just don't know. And his size is good. Like we talked about size before. He's about Dragon Kid size. And as we've seen before, Dragon Kid never held the Dreamgate title. Probably never will. So it's going to be interesting. And I find him super exciting. And this match was super exciting. I wrote down in the, uh, in like this one last thing about Fujikawa. He dodged the Lanzarse going into the finish, which popped me like, like verbal shout and if i verbal shout watching a match that instantly carves it in my brain forever and is that is that the shuji kondo pounce type maneuver it's his version of a spear slam that that's yeah that's yeah so yeah that he does it like he's a um a gladiator dodging a bull i mean kondo like revs up and charges at him and fujikawa leaps over him into a sunset flip for a two count it's the best spot of the match and that is something that every single time they are wrestling one another that spot should be done it should be his equivalent of the the world liner that Yokosuka had in his back arsenal when he wrestled Dragon Kid it should be one of those signature spots that every time you see Fujikawa and Kondo in the ring they are doing that spot yeah no absolutely and it's something that you you have to shake Don Fuji's hand Sora like you're you're making some places, but what happens if we saw what happens when you don't hit, don't take Don Fuji's hand? If you take his hand, he might just shake your hand and you get out of the way, or you might eat a choke slam. That's better than what you got. So tremendous match. This show will be on the network until the 22nd. Go and watch this match. Seriously, like if you want to keep up with the, the promotion, this is a match that you need to like make time for. It's only 15 minutes, and you'll get a sense of where the promotion is, where it has been, and where it'll be in the future. And and if that was the only really awesome match on the show, then it would have been a very successful Kobe Sambo Hall show given their usual standards. I think that's fair to say. If this was their only match that I felt like that was great, that would have been something I would have died for in 2018 and 2019. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be fair to say, Case? That's completely fair. I, I, what, what star rating did you give the Rookies versus Legends match? Four and a quarter. Okay, as did I. I rewatched 12-1-16 today. That match is, like I said, it's more violent than I remember. Uh, the bulk of the match, I mean, we talked at the time a lot about Katsumi Takashima, who debuted in that match, who had been held up in the dojo because of an eye injury. And we talked about how Shima was not kicking him in the face, but kicking him in the eye. It should also be noted that Dragon Kid was also gouging at his eyes in this match, which that <laughs> level of violence from Dragon Kid is unexpected. What holds up amazingly in the 12-1-16 match, and I'll make this quick because I know we've got more stuff to talk about, but the Bin K and Shima interactions are so intense and so violent, and it's just this level of brawling and just this uncontrolled nature that is not normal in Dragon Gate, and... You know, we talked about Shima extensively for 40 minutes last week, and I think there's a general malaise towards the Stronghearts brand, and as a result, it hurts Shima's legacy. But then you go back and watch a match like that, and, you know, on top of everything we're watching with the Dragon Gate USA series that we're doing, where Shima's on top of his game, and oh my god, what I mean, one of the best pro wrestlers ever. I mean, one of the 30 to 40 greatest pro wrestlers to ever step foot in a ring, and it's 
him and Ben K just mauling each other, throwing the ring announcer's table at, you know, Shima throws a table in that match. It's, you know, it's the Austin Powers who throws a shoe, but it's it's Shima throwing a table. It's unbelievable. This match, the Kobe Samba Hall match, not quite as good, but it's also important to note that it's a different kind of match. This Kobe Samba Hall match was a wrestling match. The 12-1-16 Corkin Hall match, more of a legitimate fight, quite honestly, than anything else. Love this match, the Samba Hall match. Go watch it before it expires on the network. Yeah, and uh, people in the company are watching who are listening to this episode, this is a match you should put up on YouTube. Like, now. Just do it. Trust us. Put this match up. It would be good. And <laughs> Anyways, so what I was alluding to when I said, like, if this was it for the show, this would have been one of the best Kobe Samba Hall shows in recent memory. But then we have the main event, which I thought absolutely ruled. It was Dragon Gate versus R.E.D. six-man tag. We had the Open the Triangle Gate, two-thirds of the Open the Triangle Gate team for Dragon Gate as Benkei and Dragon Daya, tag-teaming with Kota Minonora, one half of the Open the Twin Gate champions, against the Open the Dream Gate champion, Ada, uh, Kaido Ishida, the Open the Brave Gate champion, and the man who's so proud that he is number one in the cage match at, at Dangerous Gate, Big R Shimizu, Minora Pen Shimizu with the bobble gear, in 15 minutes and 40 seconds. And another match that I absolutely love went four and a quarter on case. Went three and three quarters on this one. A a match that with maybe a more vocal crowd, I'd probably bump it up to a spreadsheet level. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's look, it's this is the company right now. We are seeing Masato Yoshino about to retire. Naruki Doi had his moment on top. He's now being cycled back down the card. Shuji Kondo's a great story, but Shuji Kondo's not winning the Dreamgate belt. You know, Genki Horiguchi is taking falls left and right. Dragon Kid doesn't hold any titles. Susumu Yokosuka doesn't hold any titles. This is the future of the company. These are, you know, the Dreamgate champion, the Bravegate champion, the tag champs, and one-third of the Trianglegate champs, and then plus Big R Shimizu, who's always pushed. Main eventing, Kobe Sambo Hall, their home base. This is the company right now, and I am all on board with everything here. And most notably, you know, we've talked so much about how Ashida and Akuda has been the feud of the year in wrestling. Ashida and Dragon Daya have something brewing. And Dragon J pointed out on his Twitter, you know, the story seems to be that Ashida is the one person that can figure out Dragon Daya. Ashida has an answer for everything Daya does. And I, I was sucked into that story in this match. Yeah, like, and he has such great, Daya has such great chemistry with the three red guys like this was like the this was like a match that if this was the wrestlemania weekend six-man tag match it would have been blowing people's minds like it's like to that level uh i think in a lot of ways shimizu like, like the ishida and daya thing is going to be such an interesting thing to see as with daya's ascent we've had we've had kaido ishida the person who finished second in the rookie ranking tournament or was, was he second or was he third in the tournament i always forget the he was because Daya finished last because he wasn't able to make the tournament. So we see how he's gone over the last year, and then and then Kaido Ishida was a high finisher in the tournament. I'll say that he was a high finisher, and now that they, they are kind of intertwined. But Big R Shimizu did like this crazy like splash onto both Minonora and Ben K, and then just ways Ishida was fil- was cleaning uh, Daya's clock, and then the the finishing mo- the finishing uh, segment where it was that looked like that. 
Big R Shimizu was going to finally be like the first person to get a, a big pinfall on a Minora since his rocket ship. And Minora turned the Big R's to turn the uh, shot put slam into the bottle gear uh, flash pin. I thought that was such a smart thing to do. And I came away with this thing like, hey, uh, you went a little lower than me, but this is a mat. This is a show that like I very obviously loved, but this is such a tremendous thing. And it has so many different things things going to play in this promotion and this match there's so many different things going on i mean you you had binkay and, and ada face off you know that's a possible Dreamgate match down the line and it just was just was something like that was a really awesome thing yes maybe the crowd was all shouted out and felt embarrassed after sora left the ring but it was this wasn't this was a really great main event uh just for reference kato ishida finished second in the rookie ranking tournament he lost to shun skywalker in the finals i believe that answers your question so I should have stuck with my gut. I yes. said he was probably the runner up there, but yeah, no, like, and it's something that when you like look at that tournament now, I mean, you have two guys on excursion. You have the the guy who finished runner up is now Brave Gate champion. The guy who finished last because he wasn't able to participate, being a Triangle Gate champion. Hyo Triangle Gate champion. Ut had a Brave Gate shot and then sadly was injured. Boy, like just like it kind of makes you put the last eighteen months of this promotion to focus in a way, does it? Oh, completely. And just because it's fun to look at that, uh, f- the Cork and Hall, the January 16, 2019 Cork and Hall with the rookie ranking tournament final match, a show that also features Hiroshi Yamato, Super Shisa, Mysterioso Jr., and Pac on the card. We were living in much simpler times in January 2019. Just a fun thing to look at to see the amount of evolution these Dragon Gate cards have had over the past 18 months. You know, it. Hey, Mysterioso <laughs> Jr. Ha- is getting work in New Japan, USA. Mysteri- Have fun Mysterioso Jr. is the lucha equivalent of Jeff Jarrett. This man always lands on his feet, and I don't know how. You know, it's one of those things are just completely good for him. <laughs> good for him. You know, how, how can't you be glad for someone. <laughs> uh. Mike, what about this August 16th show? What happened there to divert your attention from Mysterioso Jr.? I mean, how can't you divert? <laughs> I mean, you can't be diverted from it. You can't him. take your so eyes this, off this kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was also in Hyogo. This was at the, the, the Himeji uh, Miyakoko Minato Dome. The, this place, like, I know other places run it, but it looks like it's basically just like a, do- an, like a band shell they put over a place. And, uh, the, 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 we already talked about Sora Fuchikawa and Misaki Mochizuki. I refer you to, to Misaki Mochizuki's Instagram account. Other things on this show, we had an, a six-man tag team match to open it up. We had Masato Yoshino, Susumi Yokosuka, and, we, and Sachi Hoko Boy, the uh, Amigo Tag, reunited for the night, and then they promptly lost to Keisuke Okuda, Kota Minonora, and Hoho Loon as Sachi took the gang from Minonora. Misaki Mochizuki beat Sora Fuchikawa in 8 minutes 40 seconds with a Boston Crab, Toriumon versus Dragon Gate six man tag, Ultimo, Dragon Kid, and Kanda versus Yamato, Kai, and Daya. Yamato got the win on Kanda with the Franken Center of the Almighty. Uh, Dragon Gate versus RED six man tag, KZ, Ben, and Lee versus Hulk, Kazma, and Diamante. Hulk pinned uh, KZ after a low blow, and that's kind of like one of the like one surprising things here. And the main event actually was a main event match that I would have really loved to see. As it was Tori Mon versus R.E.D. Eight Man Tag, Doi and Kondo teaming up with Maraha Isapa. We'll be talking more about them in a moment. Uh, Rio Saito and Ginki Horiguchi against Ada, Big R Shimizu, Kaito Ishida, and Hyo. Ginki Horiguchi summoned the heavens, and 
pinned uh, Hio with the backslide from heaven in 19 minutes and 23 seconds. That was not televised, but will be televised this weekend as the double shot in Fukuoka. Case, did you have any uh, any things that you that kind of reach out to you about that uh, that Himaji show before we move on? No, I wish it would have made tape. It looks like fun. Yeah, I would have loved to see that main event. That seems really dope. So on the first show on night one, I'm just going to run down the cards case, and we can kind of pick and choose from there if that's okay with you. Please. All right, so night one. This one's on the network at 1 p.m. Japanese Standard Time. That is midnight for Eastern Standard Time, 5 a.m. Uh, Greenwich Mean Time. And that would be a nice 9 p.m. start. And we don't have to do the whole thing of, about the the open the voice gate condo on the in the bay. <laughs> you in, do, you uh, don't want to do San that Diego. bit again. You don't want to do that. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean we'll we'll save it for another. If they ever have like a noon start, that's when we really get. Oh into my god. There. Oh my god. Can you imagine waking up in the afternoon there being Dragon Gate? Oh, we are living in the oh, wrong gosh. time zone. <laughs> we are in the we are in the worst time zone. Uh. Toriumon versus Dragon Gate six-man tag team match. Ultimo Doi and Fuji versus KZ, Lee, and Problem Dragon. Tag team match, uh, Mochizuki and Gamma versus Okuda and Tomonaga. That's something. Uh, <laughs> Kondo versus Hyo. Pausing here, I, before we recorded, I said I was going to ask you something. How long do you think this match goes, and why should it be under five minutes? Okay, yeah, so let's write down these times, and we'll be sure to tweet out at op- on at OpenVoiceGate who was closer yeah. It's going to be under five minutes. I'm going to say four minutes and 55 seconds. Oh, getting in right before the call. I know. Okay. I, hey, look, Yo is a former Triangle Gate champion. Uh, as much as I love my small leopard son, I'm thinking three minutes and 20 seconds. Which, by the way, one more note about that match. So 12 one rewatching that, and Watching Yo in that match, I was like, oh, that's why we loved this guy. Like, it's easy to clown on him now, and he is the lowest-ranking member of R.E.D. He is unbelievably great in that tag team match. That's enough about the tag, but I thought I would at least uh, validate Mike Spears and his opinions on Yo, because there was a point in time where he looked incredible. I mean, I thought, he, other than Ben K, he was going to be the surefire star out of that five. So, look at how wrong I was. Uh <laughs> Match four, a Dragon Gate versus R.E.D. six-man tag match. Yamato, Kai, Minanora versus Ada, Hulk, and Shimizu. Semi-main event, and boy, this is a spicy one. Dragon Kid and Tsumi Yokosuka versus Maraha Isapa, Genki Horiguchi, and Ryo Saito. And then the main event is an eight-man tag. Uh, it is Dragon Gate versus R.E.D. Uh, is Ben, Strong Machine J, Maria, and Daya versus uh, Ishida, Yoshida, Diamante, and Kazuma Sakamoto. So just on that first night... I mean, semi-main event, getting Kid and Yokosuka versus Maraha Sapa is something that I'm looking forward to a lot. Look, it's it's the least excited I've been about a televised Dragon Gate show since their return. I don't like that main event. It's got Maria and Yoshida, which is just off-putting for a main event. I understand it's Fukuoka, and they run this tiny building now that they have to run twice to justify going there since Sakata Star Lane's closed. I get that, but I, I don't like that main event. And I just, I, I, it sticks out like a sore thumb because it's the one time where I'm like, oh, man, I just, I, I, I don't know about that one. But as a whole, I mean, if you look past the Tamanaga catastrophe in match two, which even that has a Kuda versus Mochizuki, so I can't complain too much. It, it's, a, it's a fine card. I'm intrigued to see Yamato and Minora team together because I think if Minora is on the same level as Yamato in terms of charisma and output. I think that is going to be a huge selling point for him. 
And then match five, I just don't know what to do with. I mean, this is weird. This is a weird match, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Giki Horikuchi picks his spots now. He's someone that, over the last few years, he's been kind of taking steps back, and he's thrust in with, like, his most famous tag team partner, Ryo Saito. And then you have, like, the Ryosuka kind of thing going on here. And then, I mean, all four of these guys were in Do Fixer together <laughs> for a while. So it's, it's a wild it's a wild match, you know? I mean, this is... I don't, yeah, it's a wild thing. I mean, I expect, unless they're going to have a Horiguchi run here, I think that your finish is Jimbo Nokachi to Ginky Horiguchi. But Ginky and Susumu are Kyushu tag team champions together. I don't know what to do with this match, but it's the most interesting thing on the show. Well, it's, I mean, it's the same unit. Yes. It's, your drink Kid and Susumu are not normal partners. I don't know if they've ever teamed in a straight two-on-two match with one another. I should have looked that up before the show. And, you know, Marhai Isapa, I mean, they team sporadically. You know, they teamed three times in 2019. They've teamed twice this year, once on a televised show, once on a house show. I I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what angle you take out of this unless they want to turn Genki heel, which wouldn't make any sense given the problems he's had with Ashida. I, I don't think at this point in his career you can turn Susumu heel. Dragon Kid turned heel once. We don't need to do that again. And Saito is a comedy figure. So I guess this is just going to be a good pro wrestling match, which I don't have an issue with. But it's a really weird match. I mean, and it's something that like we talked about. like We were expecting with how they treat Fukuoka and how this is their first time there in six months that there might be a title match on this show because they like having title matches in Fukuoka going back to Hakata Star Lanes. So... This is like a very interesting looking thing because there's not a title match. We expect something's going to happen, right? I mean, I would think on one of these shows, you're at least going to see Green Mask pop up again. I mean, you know, they're in the main yeah. event of the first show, so I think that would be a fine opportunity there. I, I just, I don't know. This is a very strange set of shows, and it's unfortunate that Drangate went from, you know, Fukuoka being in Hakata Star Lanes, which they always treated with reverence and respect and always seemed to load up those shows. And now, in the Akras Fukuoka venue, I get it. You have to run twice. You, you know, it, it, it's a logistical nightmare. But I have just not been into Fukuoka shows since they lost Hakata Star Lanes, since they went out on top with Pac versus KZ. I mean, look, that's tough to follow up. But I, I don't love what they've done in this venue, and with the exception of the main event on the second show, uh, this, the, the part two of this day-night doubleheader doesn't inspire much hope. All right, so getting into that, opener is a non-affiliated six-man tag because Gamma's involved. Don Fuji, Ryo Saito, and Gamma, those are three weird old guys <laughs> going up against the <laughs> two-thirds of the Triangle Gate team of Benkei and Strong Machine J teaming with Mondai Ryu. Uh, there's another six-man tag as the second match. It's listed as a six-man tag, but it's only a straight, it's a straight tag team match. I think that's a typo. Okuda and Daya versus Yoshida and Hio. Uh, singles match, Masaki Mochizuki versus Yok- Yosuke Santa Maria. Torimon versus R.E.D. eight-man tag match. Ultimo Dragon, uh, Naruki Doi, Shuchi Kondo, Kinki Horiguchi versus Shimizu, Ishida, Diamante, and Sakamoto. Semi-main event of Yamato and Kai versus Ada and B.B. Hulk. And then the main event, KZ, Minonora, and Lee versus Yoshino. DK and Yokosuka. So yeah, this is like I di- I guess maybe I'm just putting it out there that I'm hoping something happens on these shows, but it could just be 12 good matches or like 14 good matches. Let's be fair. <laughs> um, yeah, it's strange. I mean, the back half of the show looks all right. 
Mochizuki and Maria had one great match. I, I don't think Maria is in a position to have a, as good of a match as she did with Mochizuki and I believe December of 2015 in Corican Hall. Um, and then, you know, the Toriyuman R.E.D. 8-man, that'll be good. I mean, it's Kondo against Ashida. It's Kondo against Shimizu. It's uh, Ultimo against Diamante. It's Doi against Ashida. There's a lot of different matchups there that you like. I've talked about, look, I'm not into Yamato and Kai specifically against R.E.D., so that match five does nothing for me. And then the main event, it's Susumu and D.K. again with Yoshino against KZ, Minoru, and Lee, who are all white hot. So that should be... I, that That's a match where you would have to think you're looking at three and three quarters or four stars on that match, and anything lower, I think, would be a disappointment. So I hope at least the main event of show number two delivers in a big way. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping as well. Uh, they do have another show announced in Kagoshima. Uh, just looking at this card, this says Yamato versus Fujikawa. God, I would love to see in. that. Man, I, if, if, yeah. if you were in the Kagoshima area, feel free to fan cam that for us. Don't know, don't know what our outreach is like in Kagoshima, but if you are listening, please reach out. Well, in case you've done all the research about the uh, Sora stands out there, there has to be fan cams of this guy <laughs> that, out there you know, you know what? That is actually a good point. That is a match that once that happens, I will do some digging. There we go. And, I mean, that's pretty much what we have coming up ahead. Again, we still have one more Kobe Sambo Hall show on the 30th. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a break before it gets back up in September where they will have three shows uh, pretty much back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And then, of course, Oda City Gymnasium for Dangerous Gate 2020. And as we mentioned at the top, we do have Kobe Sambo Hall or Kobe World Cannon Hall, pardon me. They have Kobe Sambo Hall every month. But they have their one appearance this year that has been marked now as November 15th. And what's going to be a very busy November for Dragon Gate. Uh, any big takeaways before we get out of here? Yeah, I'll, I'll put this out there now. And I'm scrambling to find the official announcement of it. But as we mentioned at the top of the show, Kobe World is now set for November. And it comes, I believe the, the date of Gate of Destiny is November 3rd. And then Kobe World Hall is November 15th. So if I was a betting man, which I'm not, not a gambler, but if I was, I would say Masato Yoshino is going to challenge for the Open the Dream Gate title at Gate of Destiny. And then he is going to retire at Kobe World in a very similar fashion to when Akira Tozawa left the company. I think that is a safe bet. It's an idea I'm going to start putting out there. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think that's the direction we're headed, which is a direction I'm okay with. Yeah, just looking this up. I don't have a date for Edie Honorina Osaka yet. It was, I, I, I think, and let me look on the Drangate website, because I think Jay is missing it from the Facebook post. Let me see if it's on the Gaiora website real quick. And if I scroll down, uh, no, there's no official date for it. I, I swear I read the third, but now I can't confirm that. Yeah, because if you have that, like, at the first week, then you have a last cork. So you can, you can do a Yoshino Masato uh, cork and final on the 5th, and then you can do the official final at Kobe World. So that, that all lines up with me. And then two weeks later, they have to go to Sendai for Gate of Origin. Yeah, that, that'll that be an interesting show. That that has Triangle Gate main event written all over it. That That is a, <laughs> I mean, I mean, a Takashi Yoshida Triangle Gate main event, my friend. Oh, don't put that out there. <laughs> put the rest of it out there, but don't put that out there. But that's going to do it for this week's show, unless you have anything else. Uh, the, this Again, guys, the Kobe... Kobe Summer Hall Show is up until the 22nd. Go check out the semi-main event. I am begging y'all. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That match is essential viewing if you are a fan of wrestling at all. And that is all I've got. Two two shows in Fukuoka this weekend. I, I'm not... 
I'm not thrilled about them like I have been for the other shows, but this company right now was on a hot streak, so I look forward to watching them. At the very least, I'm happy we get more Hanasapa. I'm taking that away from those two nights of shows. So that's going to do it for us this week on our weekly update. Thank you all for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. Cases at underscore in your case. I am at Fujiheya with two eyes like Don Fuji. But that's going to do us for here. We'll be back with you all next week with more Open the Voice Gate. Take care.